Welcome to the 17th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense podcast, your home for all things nerdum, gaming, tech, and entertainment. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play Music. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates and info. Today we'll be ignoring the news and talking about some cool stuff that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I'm BCom, and with me today I have... Leo. And... Welcome, Chewbacca. How are you doing today? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, you, spoke, you learned to speak English. That's really useful. <laughs> I learned it pretty darn quick, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Been busy. Got to cut the grass today. It's finally nice for the first day this week, at least where me and Leo are from. So, uh, not here. It's rainy and cold. Well, that sucks for you. I'm glad I live north. Um, Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, that's Indiana weather for you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, no, so been playing a lot of League of Legends lately. Um, I was behind on owning all the champs by like three or something like that. So now I'm like within a hundred gold or something, hundred IP of owning them all back. So. And you told me game. that uh, League finally got their shit together and made Lux, who was the best character, actually the best character? Uh, yeah, she dominates mid lane. Oh, speaking of which, so you obviously become, having played LOL before, sorry Leo, I'm going to bore you here. Um, as this well whole as episode's <laughs> going to bore me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, so... I, they have like the hex deck crafting thing where you can like if you play you can earn free skins like cosmetic updates things like that so they released so i remember a while ago become we were playing and i told you how there's like those ultimate skins that are like 25 dollars a piece oh yeah yeah so they released one for lux oh god what is it I it's called it's called elementalist lux okay and it's the best skin in the game Fuck. And Hextech Crafting was kind enough to drop it for me for free. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so the next time you get in League, I will play Lux and I will show you Bay. God damn it. Bay yeah. needs to have the best clothes. That's what that's. You need to buy what Bay needs to what, succeed. What Bay wants, Bay gets. Exactly. Well, let's move on. Uh, Leo, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm welcome, doing fine. Welcome our Debbie Downer extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, actually, my plan this episode was to uh, totally derail you guys, but so far Savage has just been doing a wonderful job and not even actually talking about the topic. And now I'm going to talk about the topic so everything's <laughs> freaking backwards. I love it. So these two guys are the big Star Wars fans of this podcast. I really don't care for it. I've seen... Yes, I have seen them all, I think. I'm pretty sure. Have but anyways, Rogue One? Yeah. Okay, there you go. There's been two new movies recently, right? Well, Force Awakens and then Rogue One, yeah. Yeah, I've seen them. Um, I honestly don't have an answer to why I don't really care for Star Wars. I honestly should, especially with my background. I just didn't. I, I Even growing up, I had a cousin that was like a big super fan of Star Wars. Just had tons and tons of stuff. Had a bunch of books with like the descriptions of like all the vehicles and ships and stuff and like I looked through it and stuff but didn't really care for it mm -hmm. um and I've always found it kind of subpar and meh I don't really think the newer stuff I think's pretty good but everything before I think the last two I think is just kind of 
bad. But okay. anyways, this really awesome trailer for the Dark Tower series came out today. <laughs> And it's based off a novel written by Stephen King. And I would gladly trade all the Star Wars movies for this movie. And I haven't even seen it yet. See, that's interesting. The only I haven't watched the Dark Tower trailer yet. But the only thing I've seen in my Twitter feed is Chibi Rob. Oh, my God. For saying it's just a generic fantasy movie. I had to hold myself back from tweeting back at him. I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to get in a fight with him. Well, that's (sighs) interesting. He calls it generic. But then I'm just like, it's following the book pretty well so far and it's just a trailer so i can't pass judgment so that's why i didn't say anything (laughs) interesting well yes Yes. today is going to be the star wars special episode we noticed that may 4th was coming up uh so we figured we'd do some podcast synergy he means those two decided they would do that oh yeah savage really came up with the idea well yeah uh, it's it's may the 4th you can't not which by the way I, I'm pulling up my work email right now because I want to read this to you guys. So we have a diner at work. and A what? A diner, like a restaurant, like oh. actually on site. And every day they send out the menu for the next day so you know whether or not to bring your lunch to work the next day. So this is the menu for tomorrow, which we're recording this on Wednesday. So that's May the 4th. The meal is roasted galactic garlic, Dagobah special white bean soup, <laughs> uh, grilled bantha burgers, Unkar Plutz veggie burger, black bean boba burger, Padawan pesto margarita pizza, Palpatine pepperoni pizza, cheese pizza the hut, um, ham. And, and how many people in your company is this like confusing the fuck out of? <laughs> probably none. It's Star Wars. Everybody knows it. See, but, from Dagobah food, like, I understand where the white bean, like, Dagobah soup is coming from. is because that, like, that goop that Yoda fed to Luke when he got into the little hut there. But I, lo- I always loved, like, Luke's little pack of, like, freaking tater tots and, like, breadsticks and stuff that he had, like, as part of his X-Wing, like, survival, like, whatever lunch thing that was and like yoda comes over and he like crawls in there is like oh this looks good <laughs> oh i'm a much. i'm a poorly manned puppet <laughs> mozzarella sticks poorly manned you <laughs> apologize to frank oz right now and this whole team May i'm he just rest in saying peace. he did better as the series progressed no he did not no he did not okay we're gonna have to get into this later <laughs> Instead, let's go to a positive note, uh, hopefully positive, and let's talk about what is your first memory of Star Wars? So I was like, I'm going to say nine or ten, and pretty much my my dad said, "Eh, it's a Saturday, we're going to sit all me and my brothers down and we're just going to watch a movie that I've never seen before. And it was, well, what they call a new hope now. At the time... I don't think on the, the box, because I think it was VHS tape. It mm-hmm. wasn't, like, it didn't say, like, A New Hope. It was just Star Wars. So, that's probably my first memory is watching episode four before I even knew there were, like, three others. Or cool. two others, and then shortly thereafter, like, two years later, they came out with episode one, so. Okay, cool. What about you, Leo? Um... It's really funny because you watch it and you're like, oh, okay, this is a thing. 
And then years later, you find out it's a actually very popular thing and you're confused by it. (laughs) But anyways, I was just at my aunt's house or whatever. And I'd gone through like all the movies and there was like these three movies at the end that I hadn't gotten to yet. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch them. And I couldn't figure out what order they were supposed to be in because they weren't like numbered or something like that. So I probably watched them out of order. And like I said, that I just I just watched all three of them in totally random orders, and I just I just remember specific scene. It's probably because it's the only scene I really liked because if I remembered it that young, was when they were flying the planes and taking out the giant adats on the snow planet. Yeah, yeah, that those beginning scenes of Empire Strikes Back are some of the most memorable. And oh, that's... so I only remember the scene from the beginning too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, yeah. I can understand that though because it makes a big impression. But yeah, um, yeah, my first memories. I think I was four or five years old, and my mom had rented Empire Strikes Back. I think from Blockbuster or somewhere on VHS. What's that? <laughs> it's the movie you watched, Leo. Don't you? No, things no, are starting to become clear why you don't like Star Wars. I don't know if you actually really watched them. <laughs> oh, Blockbuster, dude. Oh, Blockbuster, God. <laughs> Blockbuster yeah. is what around us is now family video. Um, in New York, they just use Netflix. I was going to uh, say, imagine if for Netflix you had to go to a store, <laughs> get a physical VHS tape, and then... It's like a library. That nobody movies. rewound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was Blockbuster's motto? Be kind, rewind. Yes. Yeah, because we can't be bothered to do it ourselves. Please be kind. Please rewind. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like four or five, and I remember watching Empire Strikes Back, and I remember those opening scenes, uh, but one of the ones that left a really lasting impression on me is when Luke is hanging upside down in the Wampa Cave, uh, and he uses the Force for like one of the first times on screen that we actually really get a sense of to pull his lightsaber, which is far away from him, out of like an icy like crag and pull it to him like like cut himself down so he can attack the wampa and i was really so that's like one of my first like like four-year-old memories of star wars and then in the force awakens at the climax of that movie we had that moment where ray is coming into the force and she pulls a lightsaber out of an icy like like hill side and that was like Boom! I started crying in the movie theater when I saw that. Because it, like, so much of nostal- uh, uh, Star Wars is about, like, the nostalgia of watching it as a kid. And then seeing it over the years and seeing how it grows and develops, and then seeing how they, like, m- make homage to that in the newer stuff. So. Mm. Yeah, that totally that- just whiffed over my head. Yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't pay any attention <laughs> to the fucking movies. You watched them out of order. <laughs> I've watched them out of order, and I probably haven't seen them for 15 years, so I should probably... I might watch them again, but I'd probably regret it or turn it off halfway through and be like, uh, I hated their costumes so bad. Oh, really? Like it in was the original the, movie or all the movies? The originals. The yeah. original three, which is like four, five, and six, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just thought they were terrible. I think that was part of my problems, and I was like, I can't take this seriously, and was like doing two things at once. Do you hate Darth Vader's costume? It's not hate. I was just like, he looks weird. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was I, a I long mean, pause to not piss us off. <laughs> He's like, how do I carefully say this? <laughs> Is Darth Vader not the best cinematic villain of all time? 
it's just i think it's 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 everybody's helmets in the movies that fucking that killed me even darth vader's i was like why do they all look clunky they look like they were carved from a five gallon bucket yeah well part yeah yeah because because george lucas was poor at one point in his life (laughs) yeah he also thought jar jar binks was going to be like the most popular character of all time and he was boy was he wrong well, I mean, George Lucas to this day is always adamant that like the original Star Wars trilogy is made for kids. Like it's all it's all of it is like marketed towards kids. Uh, but the original movies had some interesting writing in them that made it like universal for all ages. Whereas the Phantom Menace really focused on kids too much. They like overshot when focusing on kids, and I thought Jar Jar and Jar Jar was popular with kids. Like when that movie came out. Yeah, like I'm the youngest one was. on the podcast, and I, I remember watching episode one in theaters, and Jar Jar was freaking cool to me. And yep. now as an adult, I'm like, why? <laughs> yep. You're like, why did I think he was cool? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, with that, why don't we get into, uh, why don't we like to talk about what our favorite Star Wars movies are? Like, let's rank them. Savage had this idea. He just wanted to rank them outright. Well, yeah, because me, every everybody has their own opinion on what their favorite one of the the main storyline is, and then like what order you should watch them in. <laughs> so, like some some people say watch them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, yeah. I guess now some people say watch four, five, six, one, two, three, seven. Some people say four, five, six, seven, one, two, three. Some people say four, five, six, seven. Skip the first three. <laughs> Some people say four, five, one, two, three, six. I think. I think that's like the hack it up order or whatever. Yeah. yeah there's, Did you there's guys just list every orders. combination possible? <laughs> yeah. Somebody say Leo's order, which is like six, five, four, one, three, two. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Savage, we both agree that our favorite is Empire Strikes Back, which I think is the most common favorite movie. That's the one with the snowy planet, Leo. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the one I remembered, so maybe it is the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love the Battle of Hoth, but really what makes that movie the best for me is Yoda training Luke uh, and learning about what the Force actually is, uh, which is Oh, also have you guys con- seen that song they did with, like, the birds attacking them? Birds attacking who? <laughs> Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> no. <laughs> the birds? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Okay, keep talking. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, like, so, like, Yoda drops, like, the whole philosophy of what the Force is supposed to be about in that movie uh, and trains Luke in it. And it's really interesting. It's like an old samurai training his, like, new apprentice, basically. Um, and also, I would just like to say that that philosophy, if you look into it, like, clearly and just rewatch those scenes again and again, is completely at odds with making it so uh in the like prequels like the amount of crap you have in your blood is what tells you how force sensitive you are uh i don't think that i think it's completely incompatible idea to have god what midichlorians or whatever determine how powerful a jedi you can be yeah because like yoda's basically like you know the force surrounds us it binds us like and you, you just like you're supposed to study how to come in contact with the force and be like be able to use it at will. Just be, being born with like more midichlorians to me is just a stupid thing that they introduced to explain why Anakin is like the best. Um, but I don't know. That's just me. 
what about your next what's your second favorite movie savage oh i found that video it's okay. called seagulls stop it now a bad lip lip reading of the empire strikes back it currently has 28 oh. million 142 thousand views yeah i've seen that yeah it's hilarious because <laughs> like for your thoughts yeah, the yoda puppet, puppet is always like like leaning back and like flailing around in those scenes so yeah it was they recut it to make it look like he's being attacked by seagulls it's pretty great <laughs> oh god uh yeah no my my number two is the original which it bothers me to even call it a new hope but george <laughs> obviously in all the special editions had to retitle it um so we'll we'll go with a new hope i guess that's yeah. probably my second favorite. I just love the finality of it. So, like, it is its, its own standalone movie. You don't have to go in knowing, like, everything else about the series. So, mm-hmm. like, in Return of the Jedi, you can't watch Return of the Jedi without first seeing Empire Strikes Back or none of it makes sense. True. So, for me, it's like, okay, Empire Strikes Back, yes, I think it is overall the best movie, but you still have to see A New Hope first. Oh, yeah. You have to be introduced to the characters and understand who Darth Vader is. And yeah. So for me, that's that's why that one's my number two. What's your number two there? Become mine is Return of the Jedi. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the intercutting between the uh, space battle over Endor (laughs) and uh, like Luke versus his father in front of the Emperor and run, run, like the run, battle jump. down on Endor with the Ewoks and everything. I, I gotta thought, stop watching this video. Oh, yes, you do because you're making too much noise. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, like just like all of that being intercut together was super interesting. Um, I thought it was like great editing, like the whole second half of that movie. Like Jabba's Palace was like fine. It was like a weird place. Uh, I thought it was like fun that Leia was like dressed up as a bounty hunter. That was all cool. But I just love all of that stuff at the end of the movie. It's just all so impactful. It's like jumps off the screen. And honestly, all of that space battle stuff is why we got a number of incredibly good video games in the early 90s that we would not have gotten without that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, And and then number three for me is The New Hope after that. And basically what you're saying is uh, you had the hots for Slave Leia. (laughs) George Lucas seemed to. (laughs) I mean... That outfit was, uh, yeah, it was a little risque. I would call that fan service. (laughs) For a kid's movie? yeah seriously yeah uh yeah so i can understand a new hope for you at three uh which is the same reason i have return of the jedi at three on my list it's kind Mm -hmm. of just flip-flopping the reasons for me a new hope is just more important so that's why it's number two so then this is where we start to diverge in our lists a little bit a little is my number four is revenge of the sith and i will argue why in a minute so my number four is Revenge of the Sith, and five is The Force Awakens. Okay. What are yours? My number four is The Force Awakens. Number five is Rogue One. <laughs> so, and number six is Revenge of the Sith. Like all, my prequels are all at the bottom in a certain order. Um, I really don't like Revenge of the Sith. Um, I hate the prequels a lot. I think Revenge of the Sith is very very barely the best of the prequel um so what about it don't you like uh it's so easy just to say everything 
But I don't like the final battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan. I think the choreography is stupid. I think the location is dumb. I think their dialogue is absolutely terrible. Uh, I think the I think that the way that Anakin turns is way too fast and doesn't make sense. Um, I hate General Grievous as a character. Uh, <laughs> well, Grievous just, played I, a bigger part in two than he did in three. Yeah, but he was still around in three, and I didn't want to see his face anymore. <laughs> um, I yeah, just like the I have the high ground, Anakin. It's like um, who cares? You use the force. Like, there's so many different things you could do instead of try to jump over him in that scene. That that was just such a horrible setup. And it's just like, if you compare... Compare Obi-Wan being cut down by Darth Vader in A New Hope to that whole extended long scene between Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting over lava on like a little floating platform, or two little floating platforms... That scene of Obi-Wan choosing to let his life go in front of Luke and everybody escaping is so much more impactful than everything that happened at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I just thought it was so bad. I don't know. I just really hated it at that point. And I don't know. What did you like about it? So pretty much everything you mentioned. Um, No. (laughs) So the acting, Hayden Christensen and uh, Natalie Natalie Portman. Portman can just like never appear in a star wars movie again and that's fine with me um it was mostly the writing though yeah i mean the writing's not great george lucas is past his prime but beyond that i don't really have a problem with it like i love the location for that obi-wan uh anakin battle i it just the fires burning and stuff around him to me that really sets the tone and i think that's one thing the prequels did well is putting them in environments where the environment resembles kind of the inner inner monologue of the characters yeah that's true that's that's getting very cinema critic with it but for me they're not as bad of movies as a lot of people make them out to be they're not good but they're Mm -hmm. worth watching in my opinion so i mean they're they're towards the bottom of my list but for me like revenge of the sith it has all the emotion and it ties the two like sides of the franchise together i haven't seen rogue one i guess rogue one ties like between three and four together but to me i didn't really need that like yes the the jump to vader is a little quick and i'm sure a lot of footage knowing george lucas ended up on the cutting room floor but for me it's like it makes sense the progression of things other than now they've come out and said mace windu isn't dead but um (laughs) but yeah that it's basically like i don't have a problem with the way they did things cinematically because i felt like there was a deliberate point to do them in a certain way to kind of resemble the inner monologue and it i guess because you start out what in 2001 was Mm -hmm. the phantom menace Oh, 1999, I think. 99, wow. So, what, Attack of the Clones was 2002 then? 2001, 2002, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, you have those first two movies. So, what, I was 11, well, I was I was like 10, 11, or something, and then, like, I was in junior high, high school, when mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith came out. So, it's kind of like, growing up, seeing those movies in, in theaters and stuff, like, you kind of start out as a kid and, you know, 
Phantom Menace is kind of like this kid's movie almost in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. very dark in at some points, but then you kind of progress through it. So it kind of builds with that audience that the first one was tailored to. So maybe it was just the time at which I first saw it that I kind of have this like affinity to it. Because, you know, when you're a teenager and you're all angsty and rebellious, Revenge <laughs> of the Sith kind of resonates a little better than maybe, you know, Return of the Jedi or, you know, some of the other movies. So Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I was going to say... So I've been thinking about it like for the, while you've been talking, like whether these movies are worth watching. Um, and I remember before seeing these movies, I used to read Star Wars books and think about like the expanding universe because I was a total Star Wars nerd. What I used to, I think that these movies are not worth watching actually. Like if you've watched like the original trilogy, because I'll, I'll agree. what I imagined in my mind of that these movies could be was so much better than what the end movies ended up being. So I kind of think there's some value in having a blank slate uh, and just being able to imagine what those movies could be. But yeah, what were you going to say about those movies, Leo? I was going to say I, I agree with you and to intentionally uh, uh, side rail you guys. Uh, th- there's this really... Savage, did you see this article about uh, these four golden toilets showing up over the weekend around central Indiana? No. They were there to mark the 100th, 100th day of Trump being in office. And on them, each had a phrase that said, take a Trump. <laughs> what the hell? Well, that's your local Indiana side news, <laughs> Welcome to Indiana. Yeah, some artist's idea. It's, that's pretty funny. Um, if I had to rank the prequels, though, I would say Revenge of the Sith then The Phantom Menace, and then Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones has almost everything that I hate the most about the prequels in it. It has the worst dialogue between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, obviously. The most forced love story of all time. Yes. I hate sand. That's hot! It has an, a coliseum full of people fighting with lightsabers all at the same time, which totally devalues the lightsaber and Jedi as a whole, in my opinion. It looks stupid. Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, what was the romance thing you were talking about? Oh, God. It's just the... It's the, the stuff It's the stuff like Savage was saying. Like, I hate sand. It's so coarse. It gets everywhere. Oh, I love you, Anakin. It's just it's oh the- I how was that worse than like uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia? Where, oh like, my god! Han is a complete asshole towards her, oh and all god. it does is just get her wet. No, because Anakin's oh. not trying to be a dick. He's trying to like seduce her by saying <laughs> I hate sand. Han is like a smuggler. He's an asshole. He's a he's a scruffy nerf herder. He's <laughs> a scruffy he, looking nerf herder. That's what he is. <laughs> I'm not scruffy looking. No, he is, he is a total douchebag, but he has a heart of gold. That's the whole thing. He's like this flawed hero. And she is an asshole too. She's like a stuck up little prick. And they Isn't there like a scene where he like forces a kiss on her? <laughs> where they're arguing, which is like something you should never do in real life. Wait, what did they do? They said what when they were arguing? They were arguing and then like he just kisses her. And, oh like, yeah, it solves the argument. Yeah, it's just I mean, like <laughs> what? Clearly, you've never been married, Leo. That works for me all the time. 
I'm surprised you haven't been stabbed and in the hospital. If not dead by now. That wouldn't work. My wife works in the hospital. Look, Leo, you would be surprised. I don't know. I mean, God. I was going to say, I was going to be like, you could be, you should be surprised the things you could get away with when you're Harrison Ford. But then I saw, I was like, oh, wow, that sounds an awful lot like Donald Trump's mantra. So let's not go there. <laughs> you had to stop yourself. You're yeah, like, oh, I was wait, like, yeah, nope, let's, nope. let's not do that. Um, let's just say that they clearly, she, I'll put it in terms you can understand, Leo. Princess Leia is a sundere. <laughs> Oh my god. She is a cinder. That doesn't make it okay. <laughs> Let's move on from that. Um yeah, no, but the the it's the dialogue. The writing in Empire Strikes Back when they're doing the romance stuff, Irvin Kershner's writing is vastly superior to George Lucas's writing between Anakin and Natalie Portman. It's the worst. I can Padme Amidala, sorry. Um, <laughs> no. You might as well say Natalie Portman because she wasn't acting. <laughs> she really wasn't. There's this one scene in Attack of the Clones where she like falls out of the side of a skiff onto like a sand dune. And like the way she gets up is like just the stupidest looking acting I've ever seen. I, I, I just hate that scene. Also, okay, let's get to it. I hate with all of my passion jumping lightsaber Yoda. I hate it. <laughs> well, it isn't is he supposed worst. to be young and sprite? This is so funny because I was having He's a still like eight hundred fifty years old at that point. <laughs> I was having a conversation with my uh, with one of my engineers earlier today, and he brought up this exact same thing. So, like, is this just like a big thing? Yeah, like, he's all is. jumping around, and I said, I was like, but these are before the first three movies so isn't he like younger he should shouldn't he be more he's like like 20 years younger or whatever blah, yeah. blah. but he's still 850 at that point because he's 900 years old when he dies in return there's those last 20 years that really get you <laughs> it really is apparently <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing yoda okay so the way we're introduced to yoda empire strikes back he uses the force to like lift Luke's X-Wing out of the Dagobah swamp. It's really cool because you don't expect him. The, the cool thing about him is that he is this old hermit who's broken down. You And he's so super powerful even without physical ability. So when you just take him back and he has all these crazy physical abilities now that he needs to use to fight these Sith Lords. Maybe he was using the Force to move his body like he did. I would say that's probably true. Like, that's how I would think about how he moves himself. And then after his degrading a little bit, all he could do was slowly lift the next wing out of a bog 20 years later or whatever he said. I agree. I just, oh, God, it looks so stupid. And part of it's because of the CGI that is outdated in all of I don't know. Have you seen how he jerks around in that uh, Seagull video? (laughs) <laughs> it seems like he's still got some moves. I'm just saying. Oh my god. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, I guess we'll, dis- we'll agree to disagree on how young Yoda was. This is a Star Wars episode for people who don't even care about Star Wars because it would still be amusing. <laughs> no, I'm good. To we you. have like a balanced like level of uh, discourse here. And also Indiana news, local Indiana news is important too. <laughs> uh, so let's move on from the movies. We, I think we know where well, we all no, stand hold, on them. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to talk about the merits of the prequels that makes them worthwhile. <laughs> so Count Dooku is the is t- one, he's the one redeeming quality of Attack of the Clones. Uh, I mean, it's Christopher Lee and Christopher Lee is cool, I guess. He was damn good in those movies he was a worthy villain and i was 
pissed off that they killed him off so quickly in the franchise. I agree. Because I have not read any of the novels or anything like that. He is such a better villain. That, like, if he... Like, instead of Palpatine. Screw Palpatine. I wish Dooku had become the Emperor. Because Palpatine's stupid. He's just a politician. Who's Dooku? (laughs) He was the... Have you seen the prequels? Yeah, I've seen him. I saw, He's the just dude describe with like him the to uh, angled lightsaber, which He's was got the a coolest. curved lightsaber. Uh, oh, Anakin and Obi Wan fight him on the bridge of a starship and kill him in front of the Emperor. He has a curved lightsaber. Yeah, the the you might not know. I have no memory of this. The hilt of his lightsaber is at like a hundred and thirty-five degree angle. Yeah, it's not the blade that is curved. It's just the the handle. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That does kind of sound familiar. Okay, it was. Phenomenal. But then, like, The Phantom Menace, Darth Maul's cool. I've always been, probably because I saw this movie so young, I've always been like, oh my god, I want a two-handed lightsaber. I don't want just a single lightsaber. And we had this discussion the other day while we were playing, what, Jedi Academy? Which we'll yeah. get to in a minute. I saw you guys on there. I was like, oh my god, you <laughs> There's people who've been playing that game for 12 years online. I mean, if you love it, keep playing it. Yeah, <laughs> we loaded into a server and it's like happy 12 year anniversary it's like oh my god <laughs> what have you guys been doing is this going to be me with destiny oh my god <laughs> oh yeah speaking of destiny oh, you god. know how the uh, <laughs> spe- uh <laughs> what are the uh, little they're sparrows in destiny what are they called in star wars uh, speeder bikes speeder bikes they're kind of similar so like now yeah. if I ever watch that I will uh, watch star wars it'll always make me think of destiny i have always said that i want a a destiny star wars speeder bike sparrow i've always said that and i also just want to fly an x-wing as my my ship i don't want to know what bungie would have to pay disney (laughs) to do that i don't care what they do i will pay the price I don't care. No, Whatever's, you won't. However many silver <laughs> dust it costs, I will pay that many silver dust. Oh my gosh! Uh, also, pod racing in episode one, freaking awesome. Completely unnecessary. Yeah. To, to the story, I will I mean, say, Phantom Menace had some of the coolest ideas. That even if they weren't like executed the best way, like Darth Va- Darth Maul was a cool idea for a character. Pod racing was a cool idea for how An- a young Anakin would have learned to be a really good pilot. Like also, in, yeah, Jake Jake Lloyd, great actor in Episode One for being that small of a kid. He was young, and he did a really good job of making a bad movie. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say, like, I I always think that people give child actors too much shit, like. They're always like, oh, yeah, completely took me out of the movie. It's like, shut the fuck up. Have you ever met a child? <laughs> like, Do you remember being a child? Yeah, do you ever, do you remember what it was like being a child? Like, If I remember being a child and see what child actors do, I'm like, I don't think I could have done that. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's impressive. I mean, I'm sure they did a bunch of takes and whatever, but, like, like he was it's good. not nearly as bad as people make it out to be. I will agree. I, he, Macaulay Culkin, best child actor of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Oh, anyways. Okay. Well, Did you we'll, see he's supposed to be in a Kurt, Kurt Cobain movie? Wait, no. <laughs> you, I get stunned silence from both of you. I don't know if it was just, it was a news article title. I didn't read it, but he's supposed to be in a Kurt Cobain movie playing Kurt Cobain. I guess he has the hair for it. I don't know. <laughs> and like the picture they gave was a pretty good resemblance to him. And I was like, huh, 
could be done even if this is fake news or not. So I don't know. I have to do more, more research into it. For, for me, though, just to wrap that section up, the prequels, you have to think about them kind of like you think of Rogue One. Yes, it's part of the Skywalker saga, but you have to think about them as expositional, like visual novel dialogue to talk about what happened before episode four. They're not necessarily necessary for like, oh, hey, these are great movies that are just standalone. They're more or less like filling in the backstory for the new generation of fans. And that's what you have to take them as. You can't take them as, oh, well, I'm looking for, you know, a new hope part two. A new hope part two already happened. It's Empire Strikes Back. Leave it be. These are something different. Take them for what they are and enjoy them for what they are, not as, you know, something else. Yes, there are things about them that suck and affect the other movies, but you have to take the good with the bad, so... Yeah, my, 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 I'll just say my whole issue with them is just, like, one of, like, opportunity cost, to use a business term, in that, like, they could have made something better, like, story-wise, lore-wise, in place of what they did. Um, it, but, like, I don't know, you know, you can't go back now, so, whatever. It's what we're stuck with, and we have to kind of deal with it. And in a lot of ways, they've tried to write around those movies to build a good story. So... Let's get into our next part of our discussion, which is our history with Star Wars video games and what our favorite Star Wars video games are. So I have a ridiculously long history with Star Wars video games, which I have. He, he listed all of them. I'll just I did you. not no, list didn't. all of them. He did not. I, I, I linked to a list of all of them. <laughs> you and missed then, one. And then included a very long but curated list. So he edited out two or three. <laughs> Give me a break. So um, I'll say, like, I think... My earliest earliest memories with Star Wars video games probably start with the NES games, like Star Wars for NES and Empire Strikes Back for NES, um, which are not great games. Like, if you go back and play them now, they're not good. Um, but they are very memorable. Like, especially at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, you start on, like, a Tauntaun, and you're, like, w- going to the right, you fight a couple of, like, probe droids, and you drop down into this, like cave system and there's like wampas down there and you can find a lightsaber and some force powers and like it is an extremely difficult platforming level i will say at least for a kid uh and i barely ever got past that i i got past it like a couple times to where there is like a hoth section where you can uh which is actually pretty cool for an nes game fighting some atats with your snow speeder but yeah, it's those. I would not recommend like going back to those games and playing them. Uh, moving on from NES, though, I think the first games that really started to catch my eye were in the early '90s, and they were the flight sims. So starting with X-wing, uh, which so this is a PC flight sim. You use a joystick to fly, and it was like a series of missions that you carry out as an X-wing pilot or an A-wing pilot. Um, and I think there was also like a B-Wing expansion. I could be thinking about a different game. I think it's for X-Wing. There was a B-Wing expansion. Um, and you're, you're carrying out flights for like on behalf of the rebellion. And it like the story starts off with some like mundane stuff. Like you're like guarding like some like container ships and stuff and like some cargo ships moving through space, like that are carrying important supplies, but it moves up to like bigger battles against like star destroyers and stuff. And it gets really cool. And like you earn like medals and stuff and like, um, commendations for your flight service and you rank up. It's really awesome. 
Uh, and they only built on that with TIE Fighter, which came out in 1994, which had the really cool idea of making you an Imperial pilot instead of rebel, uh, Rebel pilot. Quick trivia. One. What does TIE in TIE Fighter stand for? T- twin, twin ion engine. Boom. Sure Actual Leo technology that. we have in 2017. Let's build one. <laughs> so I think TIE Fighter was probably the first Star Wars game that I can think of to put you in the shoes of an Imperial officer. Like to put you on the side of the quote unquote bad guys. Were these on PC? Yeah, these were on PC. And uh, you can still get them today. They're, uh, you can get them through Steam or good old games have put them up in recent years. When was uh, the last time you played them? Uh, like uh, when, they, when they came out on GOG, which was about a year ago, I hooked up my old Logitech joystick and played around. And they're still, there's still nothing really like them. They're really great. I mean, there are some games like them, like say like Elite Dangerous or something or whatever eve valkyrie maybe or that game that's like always in production but never coming out that is made by the wing commander guy i can't remember star something star citizen that game is supposedly going to be like a joystick flight combat sim but uh none of them have star wars stuff in them and star wars stuff makes everything better and especially in tie fighter it was so awesome because you have the main combat missions and then you come back, or like, so you get a briefing from like your imperial officer. He's like, "You need to go do this." But then there's like this shadowy figure in a door off to the right who is like a a hand of the emperor, and he gives you secret objectives to accomplish in that mission to rank up with like in the order of the emperor and get like and get like more favor with the emperor. So that was really cool. Just like sub objectives that you could accomplish if you really tried hard. Um, and so, like, you're secretly, like, serving the Emperor while you're, like, flying these TIE missions. It's really great. Uh, and then, like, in later years, they came out with X-Wing versus TIE Fighter in 1997, which was more multiplayer-focused, which is also really fun. Had less of a straightforward campaign and more just, like, a series of different cool missions. And then, finally, in 1999, they came out with X-Wing Alliance, which was notable because it had a really interesting campaign story where you started off... Um, as like the youngest son of a family that had basically a cargo business and their ships that they flew were like the Millennium Falcon. They were like uh, freighter class ships basically. Uh, and so that was like the first of these games that you could fly to Millennium Falcon in or like a ship that was like it at least. So you had like turret controls and all that stuff that was really cool. But that campaign was notable because it built up to a point where you joined the Rebel Alliance and became an X-Wing pilot for them. And then the final battle is the attack on the Death Star in at Endor in Return of the Jedi. And you get to fly through it. It's freaking amazing. It's a really fantastic mission. Really difficult mission. Um, but one of the best moments in Star Wars video games, probably. So... These flight sims are the, the like types of Star Wars games that I always wish would come back. Uh, I know that there's like not a huge market for flight sims. I guess I just don't know why they, they like these are like some of the most heralded, like critically acclaimed Star Wars games ever made, and they just stopped making them when consoles got really big, basically, and focused more on games like Rogue Squadron, uh, which Leo, I think you're a big fan of Rogue Squadron. I played that one, yes. Yeah. Did you play so N64 Rogue Squadron? Yes, that's the one I played it on. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I think I picked it up because uh, I was playing Star Fox 
and that was super fun. Yeah. And I don't know. Oh my god. Star Fox is probably the one game that I beat the entire campaign more than any other game. Yeah. So many times. It's so I, replayable. I, I know every secret I can take any route you want. It's it's whatever. But then I wanted to like keep extending on with playing a you know, flying a ship and whatnot, and I went to Rogue Squadron and it I mean it delivered. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I think it was really fun. I, I liked Rogue Squadron incorporated some of the fun stuff from like the Dark Empire comics. There's yeah, these, and I like, definitely did the trench run like fifty times. Oh yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> the, there's this mission in Rogue Squadron that has these ships called like the World Devastators, and that's straight out of comic books, which is kind of fun. Um, uh, I I felt that Rogue Squadron like like a lot of Nintendo sixty four games didn't control particularly well, but like you you got the hang of it after a while, and it was still it was more than good enough. Um, uh, I think it was the camera that got kind of weird. Yeah, the camera was sometimes janky, but. Yeah, it was really cool to be able to play as like a bunch of the other uh, different ships. There are like the Y wings and all that fun stuff. Oh yeah, and then like the X wing, you could take it in and out of combat mode if you need to go faster and stuff like that. That was really cool. That's one of the best things about like X wing versus Tie Fighter as well is that like in like the multiplayer and in various missions, you could fly as like all sorts of different ships, like Imperial and Rebel ships, um, with all like fully realized cockpits and like different weapon loadouts and stuff it was really cool yeah the a-wing was the really fast one right yes it's like typically y-wing the ship they the use bomber. for like reconnaissance yeah and the y-wing is really slow yeah yes yeah, the bomber and next wing's just like your common fighter one exactly what other ships were in that one in rogue squadron yeah oh that's a good uh i think you could like unlock the millennium falcon by like entering like a secret code or like unlocking it, you might also be been, have been able to unlock like the Nabu like Starfighter. I forget that was. Oh, like, yep, yeah. yep. I remember those, and I don't know if I rem- if I played any of the other ones after that, but I, c- I can't really remember. Yeah. Uh, some other early PC games I played were Rebel Assault and Rebel Assault Two, and these were some weird ones because they were kind of like first person shooters and sometimes flying. Um, but mostly like FMV cutscenes. Um, so if you want to see some bad '90s FMV cutscenes, uh, go watch like some Rebel Assault videos on YouTube. Or you could, I guess, you could buy the game. I think it's actually available on Steam and on sale like right now. Uh, if you wanted to go look at that until like May 9th, it's on sale, and it's only like a couple bucks. But it is a bit of a janky experience. But it was one of the first. <laughs> PC Star Wars games that really tried to like build on the lore of Star Wars a little bit. Uh, so that was interesting. I, I will say I'm honestly astonished by how many Star Wars games there are. There's a lot. And there's just so many here I, I never even heard of myself. It's part of why I'm so like angry that there aren't like a lot of Star Wars games coming out right now. <laughs> it's because I remember the 90s when there were like five Star Wars games every year like on P- and like some of them were like amazing. Like, I feel year. like <laughs> they should have focused their efforts more onto one of the games rather than making so many, and they would have been a lot more popular. It's possible, but like some of these games were like fantastic. Like uh, I mean, all of those flight combat sims are amazing games. Um, I would say like so if we get into like first person shooters, like uh, Savage and I were talking about the Jedi Knight series before, and that started with Dark Forces in 1995, which was basically like Star Wars Doom. 
like first person shooter Star Wars. Yeah, uh, it's in, very reminiscent of Doom, very gray and very gritty. Oh yeah. Uh, and then, but like as that series went on, it became like with Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 and then Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, which is the one we were playing. It focused a lot more on uh, lightsaber combat, uh, which was really fun. Um, like it's just something that was kind of hard to do physics wise in Star Wars games before a certain point. But once they sort of got the hang of it, it was really fun. Like and those Jedi Knight games, like. Maybe the Force Unleashed has done lightsaber stuff better in certain ways, like later on. But I don't think there's many games that have done the lightsaber combat better than the Jedi Knight series. You also forgot one of the Jedi Knight games, Mysteries of the Sith. Oh, I never played that one. Uh, it's probably the best of the first three. So you have Dark Forces, Dark Forces Two, and then Mysteries of the Sith before Jedi Knight Two. Um, okay, is the order. So it's Jedi Knight Two. Jedi Outcast comes before uh, Jedi Academy, which is weird, but it does. Yeah, it is weird. But yeah, anyways. And then uh, the Battlefront games, Battlefront 1 and Battlefront 2, not the not the dice piece of crap they released like a year or something <laughs> ago, but like the originals. We were going through and we were playing Battlefront the other day, or at least tried mm-hmm. to. We, we Because GameSpy has... I guess disappeared. Um, the yeah, online does not work for it, so we have to figure out a way to do that. But yeah, there's 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 some directions in like the Steam uh, discussions about like uh, online servers that are still running for it. So if you really tried, you could get multiplayer games going. Um, but it, yeah, it is unfortunate. There's a lot of old games that were affected by that game spy shutting down. Yep. And um, then my favorite of the first person shooters, Republic Commando. Public Commando is a very underrated game. It's it is a really good game. Phenomenal. It is without a doubt the best Star Wars FPS game ever made. I would probably agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I wish they would make something again that was that cool. Um but it Battlef- seems like they're kind of focused on Battlefront. Yeah, Battlefront 2 with the Galactic Conquest mode was incredibly fun, but as far as like pure first person shooter action, Republic Commando is unbeatable in my book. Just like that squad-based shooter thing. Oh, great game. <laughs> it was a great game. Especially for the time, 2005. That that was a really great game back then. Well, and it was really in-depth into the Star Wars universe. Like, I remember going to Kashyyyk and fighting, like, alongside the Wookiees. It was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> That's pretty cool. God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really hoping that the new Battlefront... Two that's coming out will the the new campaign will draw a little bit from Republic Commando as far in as insofar as like just crafting some good characters to like accompany us and like hopefully like carry the storyline and not just be like your typical rote like FPS campaign that you just churn out. Um, I'm really hoping that there's going to be good stuff there. Um, another genre of Star Wars game that is kind of underrepresented, but there are a couple really great ones. Actually, I, I probably shouldn't say really great, but there's ones I spent a lot of time with. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion was a real-time strategy Star Wars game in 1995, kind of like a Masters of Orion-type game where uh, you controlled, like, the Rebellion. Uh, like, it's, you, it's like you basically needed to take over planets in the galaxy so you could get more resources to build more ships and then recruit more troops to go fight the empire off. 
but then you also had all sorts of agents, like Princess Leia is an agent, Han Solo is an agent, Luke is an agent, who have to... They have different abilities and different skills that you can send them to, like, spy or do diplomacy with different planets to try and get their support. And basically, it's just, like, a long-term strategy game. And then when you get into ship battles, they actually have, like... Sounds kind of like Civ. uh, It is a lot like Civ. It's like Civ in space, basically. It's really similar. Um, That's cool. When you get into fleet battles, there's, like, a fleet battle interface, which is not very good, Rebellion. It's, like, very slow-moving... The sound effects are not great, but for the time, it was like, oh my god, I'm like having a fleet battle with like Star Destroyers against like Kalmar Cruisers and all this stuff. Um, and so they kind of paid homage to that in 2006 when they did Star Wars Empire at War, uh, which was a like basically a modernized version of Rebellion in a lot of ways with uh, much better, better um, like fleet battle interface and graphics. Um, though a little bit smaller scope with like the planets that you could um, go to. And it was much more focused on conflict rather than like agents, though it did have some of that stuff too, especially in the expansions. Yeah, so I thought I, Empire at War was great. That was the only yeah. one of those two that I've played. Empire at War was phenomenal for me. I think I have the gold edition. <laughs> I have very vivid memories from I guess before 1995 reading a magazine preview of Star Wars Rebellion and then my mind running wild thinking like this is going to be the greatest game ever made (laughs) and it didn't turn out to be the greatest game ever but I it it was a really fun game for its time and it's also I think on sale on Steam right now greatest game ever on three ready one two three Halo Combat Half-Life 2 (laughs) (laughs) well we all picked fps's so (laughs) and that's not my favorite game of all time i just said the first thing that came to my head (laughs) yeah that was the first thing that came to my mind um just i don't know if i'd argue with it Hmm. uh going back a little bit a couple games i'd like to give a shout out to from the snes era where the super star wars games super empire strikes back super return of the jedi they were weird platformers, but they were much better than the NES games. They were also, they're also like ridiculously hard games. Like just ridiculously difficult. Um, so if you want a challenge, you could check those out. I think Super Star Wars is on sale on PS4, I think. I don't know about the other two, if they're going to be coming out eventually or not. But uh, they're kind of fun. And then, uh, well, yeah, for N64, we also had Shadows of the Empire, which was fun. Uh, that first Hoth level, I just remember playing that demo in That's the stores. snowy planet. I yeah. learned that today. You remember. Uh, yeah, every Star Wars game is that has like third person or first person shooting is obligated to have a Hoth level in the history of Star Wars games. Uh, Shadows of the Empire is one of the better ones. Uh, the rest of the game was not so great. <laughs> that first level was amazing, though. Uh, and then, Savage, you mentioned Star Wars Episode One Racer. I'm assuming you played that since you love pod racing. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love that game. I played the crap out of it myself. That was awesome. I, I never owned that game, but my cousin did, and I remember playing a ton of it at his place. Like, you could blow up one engine, and you'd be fine with just one engine. It'd be, <laughs> it's crazy. Because it took damn... It's one of the... I think it's basically one of the only racing games where taking damage uh, would slow you down that I really liked. But yeah. it was also kind of part of like winning it, and it wasn't just like over bad. You didn't have to worry about, I guess, like spinning out since you were hovering, 
which I think is probably what the big appeal was. But it was just, I just remember it being super fun and playing a ton of it with my brother and my neighbor down the road. Cool. Yeah, it was a really fun game. I just like the speed of it, too. Everything was great. And Nintendo 64 was a pretty awesome system, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, bad, especially Bad controller, awesome system. Dude, yeah. I that controller looks like a nightmare, but I loved it. I, I hated the joystick. Oh, God, I hurt my It was, so like, perfect times. for, like, Star Fox. It was perfect for Star Fox. Star Fox is an amazing game. God. <laughs> Star Fox 64. Star Fox, in my opinion, is definitely a better game than Rogue Squadron, but, I mean, like, God. It... Rogue Squadron was pretty good. This is where I got mad at you for skipping a game on the list. You Which forgot never the played. best one never played this of game. the 64 games. Battle for I, Naboo. I, I disagree. I don't remember so this one either. Oh, God. What was good about Battle for Naboo? What, it, what was you... the genre? Uh... It's, I guess, like a vehicle shooter. Okay. So you're you're mostly in like a land speeder or some kind of speeder like that, like a speeder bike, some kind of vehicle on the ground. But then it also incorporated like the best parts of Rogue Squadron where you're up in like a Naboo Starfighter, things like that. So you went from like, you know, the ground to the to space, things like that. It was just so well done. Like I'm looking it, at I'm looking at screenshots of it and it's like oh my god N64 graphics <laughs> yeah I've terrible graphics but for what's the, day, the uh, PlayStation game where you fight with vehicles it's like metal something Twisted Metal yeah great game when you said games like when you said vehicles fighting made me think of Twisted Metal immediately <laughs> yeah Twisted Metal Star Wars I'm trying to think of a similar game like to that would be game. really fun I would definitely play that it I would definitely have fun. to get it and try it out at least. Yeah, no, if you if you haven't played it before, go buy a 64 and battle for Naboo. Go go have fun. It made <laughs> for me, I don't know. I don't I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it came out after the prequels cuz my cousin had it. Um but for me, it like it really tied in all the scenes from episode 1. Okay. Like it, it made it much that much more memorable, especially as a kid, so That's cool. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's nostalgia, on, and I just haven't played it in a long time. Oh, it could be. On but, GameCube, at some point, uh, oh, what were you? Yeah, at some it? point, I played an RTS of uh, of Star Wars. I don't remember what it was. It was probably a uh, probably Empire, Empire at War. War. Yeah, probably. And I I played very little before I got bored of it. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, some of the expansions for that game made it a better game, like a much more interesting game. I tried to play as like the robot people from like Episode One. <laughs> droids yeah the droids <laughs> and i found it like frustrating because because they suck <laughs> did they was it just because they sucked i was uh, like I don't Man, do I? i'm not sure i don't, I don't think i ever played with them <laughs> well the whole point i could never find droid, anything that would work the droid army is that they were disposable yeah so yeah see that's not my play style so that's probably why i hated it and i never tried anybody else so uh, so yeah, on GameCube we had a couple of Rogue Squadron sequels. Did either of you guys ever play those? Nope. I have those games, but I've never only had played a, a little bit of Rogue Leader. Uh, you never had a GameCube? Oh yeah, I only got one recent in recent years because it was super cheap, and like a bunch of games were on sale on eBay that I wanted. Oh, I totally owned a GameCube. That yeah. thing was awesome. Isn't yours still in the back of your car, Becom? No, that's my SNES. It's still <laughs> in the backseat of my car. I really need to just bring it inside. Um, 
and hook it up somewhere. <clears throat> also, Star Wars has had a short history with MMORPGs, beginning with Star Wars Galaxies, which released in 2003 and had more uh, like expansions until 2006. But it had a very rough history because when I first played that game in like 2003 or 2004, like right after it came out, uh, and it was a really technical, hardcore MMORPG where there were all sorts of different professions. Uh, you can craft all sorts of items. It was like, it was really, unless you were like a hardcore MMO player, it was really hard to get into. I'll say at my age, like in 2003, it was like, I don't understand any of this stuff going on. But people wow. who loved MMOs loved that game. Um, well, and if I remember correctly, it was a subscription-based game. Yeah, I think it was sub-based, and you could become a Jedi, but it, was, it took like a really long time and a lot of grinding. It was really hard. Uh, and once you became a Jedi, you were like super overpowered. Um, and so Star Wars Galaxies, at a certain point, decided like, we need to get more people interested in this game. We're going to dumb everything down, dumb down the whole profession system. We're going to let people start off as Jedi. And, like, the whole fan base just went ballistic over that. Uh, they probably got some new players uh, and probably some more with, like, the Jump to Lightspeed expansion, which lets you fly ships and stuff. But uh, it, like, never recovered from that. So in 2011, they tried to do a new one, The Old Republic, which followed on the heels of the KOTOR games, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, which also, I think has picked up but it started off as a subscription model as well did not do well and then went free to play and now has done better it's um, a phenomenal mmo the old republic you've played it oh i love it yeah i mean i've for whatever reason i've never been able to get too far into it i honestly just think it's because i don't like mmos like in the wow sense and like guild war sense like but like I can see what's there for people who do like it. I just don't like the grindy quests. Yeah, um, it I, is that it gets a bit grindy. But if you like MMOs, it's and Star Wars, it's like freaking awesome. Yeah, but you kind of have to have both because as a standalone MMO, like if a WoW player came up to me and was like, "Hey, what's another MMO I could play?" It's not the one I would mention. Yeah, and the recommend thing, Destiny. It's kind of an MMO. Yeah, I, I was talking about MMOs the other day, and I was saying Destiny is the only real MMO that I play long term uh, because it is it's an kind MMO. kind of a weird hybrid. It's just very FPS focused, but yes, it's yeah. totally an MMO. Um, and yeah, the, the other reason that the Old Republic was kind of a bitter taste in my mouth is that I look at that game and I see like this could have been just another KOTOR game. Uh, and they could have just crafted it for single player and it probably would have been much better because uh, those are two of my favorite Star Wars games of all time Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2 The Sith Lords which is an unfinished game in many ways but still has fantastic characters and a fantastic storyline uh, these two Bioware RPGs from the heyday when Bioware was still firing on all cylinders um are just like the cream of the crop and some of the some of the lore in those games is the best exploration of like what what it means to be a jedi what it takes to be a jedi and then like just various explorations of ancient history sort of before the prequels ever took place uh 
And yeah, I mean, honestly, as they uh, they start to like build the Star Wars lore now with like comic books and novels, uh, KOTOR is one of the things that they're sort of drawing a lot from because there were a lot of good ideas in those games. Going, so, going back to them now is a little hard, I'll just say. Uh, they they what, don't hold what, up incredibly well. What is the Force? It's space magic, right? Basically, yes. The Force People is basically that. like Buddhist space magic. It's, it's like the idea magic. that you can like feel the life force in all things and contact it and, yeah. Minichlorians. Yeah, minichlorians <laughs> suck. What it, what, there's a PlayStation game that does that. It's called Eve. Eve, okay. Did you guys never play that? Uh, it's like... Parasite Eve? Maybe? That's the only Eve game I know on PlayStation. Where they talk about mitochlorians having giving people special powers. Wait. Oh, like, are you talking about, like, mitochondria? Yeah, mitochondria. Oh, yeah, I was just saying. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think that's Parasite Eve. A game I haven't played, but it's, like, kind of like a cult classic, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I watched a buddy play that. That was a pretty awesome game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, not not derailing on purpose or anything. No, that's true. Like it is similar though. Like the mitochondria giving you powers and the midichlorians giving you powers. Yeah. Uh, Savage, you had some thoughts on the Kotor series, I think. Uh, yeah, great story. I mean, you pretty much said it all already. It's it's a great story for me. They hold up pretty well because I don't mind going back and playing like crappy looking games. Because mm-hmm. I'm more story based, so like I don't care too much about the graphics. That yeah. and I, I, I play everything on PC where like I have an underpowered PC, so it really doesn't matter what the graphics look like. Which is the craziest thing? You're the PC gamer, basically. Well, I guess Becom does play a lot too, but you probably have the weakest PC of all of us. <laughs> oh, I definitely have the weakest PC, but I play a bunch of like classic games. So like, yeah, I, which you don't need that much for. Yeah. So all the stuff I played as a kid or wanted to play as a kid but couldn't because i didn't have the pc at the time to play it i can now play using my current computer but i was looking again at referencing doing a callback to our uh pc building podcast i was looking up at uh some of the stuff we pegged on our new egg it's only about 1800 bucks now oh cool some of the prices have been cut so oh yeah that's the way pc markets work they are constantly dropping like almost literally on a weekly basis yeah there's always so i could go in and probably critique it a little bit and get a little bit more power out of it which is is, it's still totally unnecessary and put it back up to 2000 but like yeah the 1800 would totally do it (laughs) yeah no I've, i've been looking at that so it may be something i do in the next year Hopefully. Yeah, just like the said, so you were looking at the GTX 1060, and I bought that two months ago, and like the price difference is also already staggering. Yeah, well, have we, to look at we your sell them again. where I work, or <laughs> maybe, maybe we don't sell them anymore. It's really for PC builders. I don't know why we have them, but we we do. We used to sell processors too, I guess, but we don't do that anymore. Interesting. So, yeah, that that's the thing is like I get everything at wholesale. That's my employee discount is wholesale. So cool. Uh, so as of right now, mine plays everything on ultimate settings, so I recommend it. Oh yeah, uh, La- Savage. The last game you were going to talk about was uh, Force Unleashed one and two. Uh yeah, Force Unleashed. Those are interesting games. Um, I don't like the third, uh, third person view aspect of them. Mm-hmm. I wish they were more 
I wouldn't say first person, but like free camera. Like the the camera on that just to me didn't work for the third person. I wish it was kind of more like the older '90s games where it was like you could have the passive or active camera, not such a fixed camera type thing. Because I like I I prefer an active camera in third person type of games where it's going to quickly snap back to like directly behind me, but like it was either pretty much fixed or it was like just completely free looking you had to constantly be moving it and i played them on xbox so that could have contributed to that as well okay so i love the games just that was really my only complaint with them cool i think we're done for now for talking about uh games i'll move on to the next section oh i thought you were gonna say done talking about star wars dang it oh no never never we're never done uh other star wars an hour in what <laughs> you just peaked so bad <laughs> I, can't, couldn't, I didn't get any of that <laughs> we're, Did, uh, we're only an hour in okay. so uh other star wars media and the current state of the extended universe um so yeah like basically i want to talk a little bit about star wars books because that was a huge part of for me of growing up uh, with Star Wars, because after the original trilogy came out, there was nothing for a million years. Uh, uh, Savage, can you insert a uh, snoring sound file for me while Pecom goes through this part? Yeah, quick, yeah. Give, quick, give me a sound or bite. crickets or crickets. Yes, I like crickets too. Okay, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Pecom. I'm truly sorry. Are, are you are you truly sorry? I don't think you're truly sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh-huh. So let's, let's see. Some of the some of my favorite books are clearly Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, which is one of the probably the hallmark of Star Wars novels. Is one that like even Lucas had looked at and was like, okay, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, and Timothy Zahn has also recently written a new Thrawn book that just came out like a couple weeks ago. If you're interested in following up on that um, history. But uh, introducing the character Grand Admiral Thrawn was one of the big things in the Star Wars legacy legends lore is what it's called now. Uh, And Thrawn keeps getting brought back into the new canon in TV shows like Star Wars Rebels and stuff. Um, And and with new books about him. Uh, He's just a really interesting character as an Imperial officer who is like super in love with art and like aesthetics and is just has a mind for strategy and they also introduced an entirely new alien race to explain who he is uh so yeah it was just a really a lot went into developing that character and it's the kind of thing that i would like to see in movies uh eight and nine going forward is some characters who are really well thought out like that i don't know if we will see that though um another trilogy of books that i really loved was kevin j anderson's jedi academy trilogy um it's followed um had a lot of luke training a new uh group of jedi at a jedi temple on yavin 4 where the rebel base was in a new hope um and but also losing one pupil named kip durin to the dark side and kip also is able to he meets up with this like brilliant uh, imperial designer who designed the death star in these novels this has all been changed now with like the advent of rogue one uh and like this guy or this person who designed it has a new um ship called the sun crusher 
that Kip like steals and pilots. I think he steals it. I don't know. Maybe he's given it. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've read these books. The Sun Crusher is a really cool idea, and I wish it was one that they had swapped for The Force Awakens rather than just building a new planet-sized Death Star. Because what the Sun Crusher is, it's like a fighter that has supernova missiles on it. So you fire, you get really close to a sun, and then you you fire your missiles off into the core of the sun and then it sends the sun supernova which destroys all of the planets in that solar system uh and given how rogue one or sorry force awakens went that would have been a perfectly viable way for them to destroy all of the planets in the middle of the republic you mean rather than rather than just dredging up the funds to make a even bigger death star which is We'll get to that later because that's my complaint, but go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would have. I mean, we could talk about it now because, yeah, like I really had a big problem with them just building another Death Star. <laughs> like, Number one, it didn't work the first time <laughs> or the second time. And then, yeah, then eventually the second time. And then, like, these are planet sized. So to mine this metal would take multiple planets. Well, I yeah, and then I mean, just yeah, like resources definitely. and manpower and just this, it just absurd amount of things to build it. And not to mention, just because of its sheer size, something would be breaking down constantly. Oh yeah, and this is sure. coming from a guy who works in a factory with machines. Something's always broken. <laughs> There's no way this thing would function. It would be. Oh, it is her, it's it's so unbelievable to me. <laughs> As to the the resources needed, uh, I read the book Catalyst, which is supposedly like the precursor to Rogue One. And in that book, they basically go into that the Empire was secretly going around and like stripping these protected planets of all of their resources, basically as like if we went into protected national natural parks like in the United States and stripped them for like coal which is like what the republicans always want to do um is kind of what the idea was so uh see i always assumed they were like selling cookies like girl scouts <laughs> so like you could get like a dark vader chocolate or a skywalker um uh, i wrote this out and i can't even say the word <laughs> yeah skywalker stickman snickerdoodle or a han peanut butter solo <laughs> I'm just putting some ideas out there, you know. Uh, the Girl Scouts should uh, make a deal with <laughs> Lucasfilm or, or Disney, I guess, at this point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really liked the ideas in that Jedi Academy trilogy. Uh, and they kind of continued that on a little bit with... Meringue. The- Meringue. <laughs> with- That's what I was good. I don't know why I couldn't say it a minute ago. Skywalker Meringue. <laughs> oh, Jesus. There was a series for uh, young adult readers called The Young Jedi Knights, which kind of continued on from the Jedi Academy trilogy. It was also written by Jev- uh, Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Moesta. It was a series of like 12 or 14 or 15 books that focused a lot on Luke's new Jedi students and also uh, Han and Leia's son and uh, twin son and daughter, Jason and Jaina Solo, who now obviously don't exist in the new canon um, because of Kylo Ren. But a lot of the ideas that are now being used in Force Awakens are drawn from this Jedi Academy trilogy and like this Young Jedi Knights series and all of these books. Uh, so, How young is Kylo Ren supposed to be in the movie? Like Maybe like early 20s at the most. I was going to say it's got to be early mid 20s, somewhere around my age. 
Because he acts like a pubescent 13 year old. Yeah, he kind of. Well, he's he acts a little bit more than that. Let's see. Okay, I'm sorry. A six year old who still throws temper tantrums. Actually, he's supposed to be. Your dad was a scruffy looking nerf herder. I was wrong. He's supposed to be 29 or 30 years old what? in that movie. Yeah. Whoa, my age? Okay, that just made that so much more unbelievable for me. I don't Holy see, Leo, I know, I know so many people our age who act like Kylo Ren. <laughs> so many people that what? Like who act like freaking douchebags with like a dark stormy history. I don't know. Ah. Maybe he's maybe 29 is pushing it, but like he has had a little bit of a rough life, I think, maybe. Even, uh, How rough can your know. life be? <laughs> Pretty You're rough. You're a Skywalker. <laughs> he's a solo, actually. He's typically you have, a Skywalker, too. You have magic. Your life is already way more awesome than mine. What the hell? <laughs> are you Are you trying to tell me Kylo Ren had daddy issues? He, if, he, dude, did we not just have a long discussion about how, like what assholes his parents are? <laughs> <laughs> so yes he definitely had some issues uh let's move on to other books so another series that is really great is the x-wing series by michael stackpole and then later aaron alston uh which i think took a lot of inspiration from the x-wings video games uh and then created a series of stories about like these squadrons like led by like wedge antilles and then also later by other people corin horn is a great character that's introduced uh that like pull off like missions for the rebellion and this is after the return of the jedi so it would be after that point in time in the star wars canon i don't think any of this stuff is canon anymore either but they're awesome stories uh like awesome space battle books uh and then halfway through that series they switch from books about rogue squadron which is the squadron that took down the first death star with luke and everything to stories about the wraith squadron which is more of like a ragtag group collected of people that are like commandos as well as fighter pilots so they get down on the ground they get like really dirty and into things and there's like battles against like super star destroyers that are really freaking cool when there's really cool uh enemies and villains in those books so highly recommend that series boots on the ground yeah and then just one more series if you kind of want to know where the new force awakens series is drawing stuff from is the new jedi order series which has its ups and downs admittedly like basically they introduced this new alien race that came from like another galaxy called the yuzan vong which is kind of like klingons they're like these aliens and they have this technology that the like rebellion or actually the new republic at that point has no idea how to deal with so they're just getting destroyed like planet by planet uh they they eventually figure out ways to fight back but one of the main like philosophical thrusts of this whole book series is that uh han and leia's son and daughter jason and jaina are going through some issues with the force jason goes dark side kind of like kylo ren and Jaina, who is a lot like Ray's character, uh, has like is told by Luke that like she needs to just go kill him. Like he, he's like irredeemable. Uh, but and then Jaina kind of ends up walking the line between dark and light. And this is very much where I see Ray's character eventually going, especially given that trailer that we just got for movie eight. So if you want to see where they're drawing that force stuff from, these were where they were kind of like hashing out those ideas in books first. Um, 
but yeah I, I haven't read too many of the new books there's like some the books like called like aftermath aftermath by chuck wendig which are following up on force awakens um and like trying to fill in the gap between the Re- return of the jedi and force awakens uh for the new canon uh some people have said they're pretty decent others have said they're like eh, not so great um there's a couple other books that have come out like one about tarkin that's really cool and one about thrawn that just came out that i've heard good things about but besides books there's also comics that are having a huge revival right now i was mentioning before that i liked like the star wars dark empire comics that came out in 1991 1992 uh, which had some of their lore make their way into the rogue squadron video games but marvel is doing like a whole series of comics right now some of which are really frigging good Um, The Marvel Star Wars, which began in 2015, and Star Wars Darth Vader are both really badass comic books. Uh, I would highly recommend reading them. And um, they're kind of like intertwined with each other in in the reading order. Uh, But there's like good resources online, like wikis, where you can see like which what order the books should be read in, like what issue you have to jump back and forth to. You don't have to worry about it too much, but it does make a little bit of sense, more sense when like, because the Star Wars books with like, they follow Leo, Leia, Han, and Luke do intertwine with the Darth Vader novels. Like something happens and then he's pissed in his novel or in his comic and then like goes back to the other comic and like you see the aftermath kind of thing. Uh, it's all really well drawn. Like there's some really great art there and especially just the Darth Vader books. Like there are some badass moments in there. Uh, and the people who are writing it are doing a really good job because it, it feels very much like those characters voices straight out of the movies. It doesn't feel like something that's crazily overdone and comic booky. It feels like a star Wars book. So and then, of course, we have the TV shows. We had Clone Wars, which ran for a bunch of years, helmed by George Lucas. And now we have Star Wars Rebels, uh, which is also... Are these like, the animated ones? Yeah, the animated ones, which... They're okay. Uh, they're okay, is what I would say. I have a friend who just loves the shit out of Star Wars Rebels. He's constantly telling me to start watching. Uh, <laughs> he keeps saying that like season four, season five is like the best Star Wars stuff ever. And I'm just like, okay, okay. At some point, um, I'm just trying to work my way through Clone Wars first. Um, Clone Wars is better than I remembered it. It's all on Netflix now if you want to go watch it. Uh, it's, it's not that bad, actually. Um, I remember growing up hating it, but I think it's probably because I just saw some really bad episodes and just wrote the whole thing off. There's actually some pretty decent stuff in there, but Rebels, I don't know if I like it, at least the way it started off. It's very much for kids, uh, but I've heard that that changes a lot in like the third and fourth seasons, so I could be completely off base there. I have to catch up on those. Um, but yeah, that's sort of like where the current Star Wars expanding universe stands. We got these books, we got these novels, and we got TV shows to draw from as they're filling everything in. Um, so to close out our discussion, let's talk about what's something you would like to see from Star Wars that either hasn't been done already or you think could be done better. Uh, if anybody wants to go first, be my guest. Uh, I'm uh, going to go over what Leo wrote for me to say. <laughs> did i write that i didn't I, it, write it. it it wasn't me who wrote that huh it'd be weird if you wrote something for yourself yeah. but yes go ahead what, what did you say 
So I'm Leo, and I want a VR experience where I'm Jabba the Hutt having my way with Princess Layla <laughs> uh, before she strangles me with the chain. Well, I take that back. Put the strangled thing in there. Don't question Leo's fetishes. Oh, this explains so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I may have written that while Becom was talking forever <laughs> at any of the points in this podcast. I have to keep myself amused, guys. I just like how you don't uh, even you can't even recall if you actually wrote it or not. <laughs> uh, I'm feigning ignorance. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> so I put down something other than a Death Star, like that killed me. What was the newest movie that had that? Oh, that wasn't um, a Death Star. Wasn't well, Death actually, Star. Rogue One had a Death Star too, but it was the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, it was about the plans of the Death Star, right? Yes. Which they're basically filling a plot hole of why they had an exhaust port because the original creator of the, the Death Star put it there intentionally for sabotage purposes. Yep. Which was like a cheap plug-in, I don't know, whatever. Boy, am I glad I haven't seen Rogue One. <laughs> it's not that I, bad. I, I liked it other than that. It's an okay movie. It's not a great but, movie. Yeah, I just want to see something that without a Death Star, I mean... Do do another super weapon? Do that super sun ship you were talking about earlier? Sun crusher, I love that ship. Yeah, man, I thought I thought like Kylo Ren would have been perfect guy to like have this like little ship that he uses to like go like destroy solar systems, and like with Kip Durin in those books, like the only way they were able to stop him was like to just talk sense to him, basically. Well, see, you Um, just struck a chord with me because one thing I would like to see is. So, Kylo Ren idolizes Darth Vader. What was Anakin really, really good at, especially in the prequels? Flying. Mm -hmm. You don't see Kylo Ren fly at all. Yeah, he just, you see him get on top, like, on board a shuttle. But, yeah. You see him get really moody and slice up some consoles. It looks like Rey got those Skywalker genes for flying, because she's a pretty good pilot. Yeah, she's a pretty good pilot, but being a well, and we don't know yet whether or not she's a Skywalker. She's a fucking Oh, Skywalker. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we don't know. Oh, maybe she's Kylo Ren's twin and Han and Layla are just withholding Layla? the information. <laughs> <laughs> are you okay, Vico? I just like keep thinking that like, oh, yeah, Leo thinks that like Star Wars about is about like that Eric Clapton song, Layla. Oh, my God, that's exactly where I was Oh man! You can just uh, picture like Han Solo getting ready for a date. If you wanna get out, you got to take her out. <laughs> Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I can see her. Uh, this is that also where I had my note, where I was like, I was like, how do they fund this? This is a ridiculous amount of metal to for the Death Stars and whatnot. That's yeah, what my- Han Solo is smuggling. Cocaine. <laughs> My only argument for that would just be that they have like a whole, like we have our whole planet's resources and we can't use all of them because other countries own them. But the Empire has like a series of like a hundred planets that it can draw resources from. So planet sized planets like, so yeah, they have the resources probably to build something like this. 
but uh, it's all it starts to stretch the imagination when they build one it gets destroyed they build a second one it gets destroyed and then they carve out like a whole planet to build a third one and it gets destroyed I like, just want to point, reference your size of scale you said you said what size planets planet sized planets <laughs> bitch <laughs> it's just it's just you know if we were assuming they're earth sized you to build something the same size even if they has hollow out, hollowed out parts mm. would still require multiple planets well, yeah see, definitely adam savage did this on his youtube channel before where they actually took the dimensions as written out in star wars lore um and referenced like how big the actual death star in episode four would be it's like one eighth the size of our moon <laughs> that's big I, it's big but it's really not that big i guess like our moon is incredibly small compared to earth yeah. incredibly small so like an eighth of the size of the moon is not that big like the total surface area or something is only like the size of canada i want to believe there's also that huge part in the center of the death star which is just basically empty because it's like the whole reactor chamber like, I think, I think the officers only really walk around on, like, the surface, like, just underneath the surface of the I don't station. know, guys. I'm not very specific about my lore. Oh, hey, Pecom, you're back uh, from Japan the- again? <laughs> like, goodbye, guys. I'm back to Japan. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, a couple things I'd like to see. Um, number one on the list, it's been number one on the list for a long time, is an HD unaltered original trilogy project either through disney or if any of these projects that have been trying to restore the films for years ever are able to just finally put the final product out there i mean there's this the harmy the specialized editions uh which i've watched and are pretty good um but there's also some other people who are working on even better uh like film reels from the time that are like getting color out of those film reels that look so good uh, that I'd love to see like an official edition of this stuff. Disney always keeps, there's always rumors every year that we're going to get an unaltered trilogy and it never happens. So I'm just basically waiting to see it now at some point. But And by, by trilogy, you mean the prequel trilogy, right? Because those are the ones you really want. Oh yeah, I really want to see that unaltered Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> like just Miso want to see that, baby. So You want to see where <laughs> Jar Jar Binks... That. There it is. Jar Jar Binks is, con- is conceived <laughs> in his younger years, right? Yeah, I really want to see, like, when they're when they're done with, like, the Han Solo movie and whatever other, like, side projects they do, I want to see that Jar Jar Binks origin story. Like, we gotta have yeah, it. Yeah, you want to see his first line of, me, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it'll be like the movie Gandhi... Except it'll just be called Jar Jar. <laughs> it'll be a four-hour epic film about his life. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, will all from his Binks. perspective. <laughs> uh, oh, then you can watch it in VR. There you go. There you go. Speaking of VR, I would also like a modern Star Wars combat flight sim for PC. Uh, it, like, I assume at this point it would have VR or head tracking. But I just want to see another one of these fantastic games. Uh, come on, just give us what we want. Like, there's been such a vocal community of these people every time Star Wars games come up online that it's like, I just want another TIE Fighter or another Combat Flight Sim. 
I know there is a fan base for this, and I know that those people, when if a game comes out and it is good, will hype the shit out of it to everybody that they can ever imagine online, because <laughs> there's a very vocal fan base about these games. So I can't imagine them not selling well. Like I just can't imagine it. So and uh, yeah, but like specifically, I'd like to see like a very functional like online multiplayer with like I don't know like thirty two on thirty two ship battles or something sixty four and sixty four ship battles something awesome and huge scale like that. Uh, and then you know like cooperative missions combining like fighters and capital ships to take down like certain objectives or take down each other. Just all sorts of cool things. Like there's so many different things that like even all those great games never could do because of. Uh, the technology holding them back in the 90s. So we've moved on 17 years past that. <laughs> so there should be a lot more that we're capable of. Um, I also like, so KOTOR kind of touched on this a little bit in KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2. I'd love to see a video game that is kind of like very focused on the process of training to become a Jedi. Uh, and I, I could see this coming uh, after episode eight, where I assume we're going to see a lot more training with Leia. I'm oh, sorry, God, Leia. <laughs> with uh, Luke and Rey. Um, and possibly with Kylo and Snoke. So I'd love to see an, uh, an episode that's about, you know, like just training to be a Sith, training to be a Jedi, and like what that all entails, finding the resources to build your own lightsaber, like crafting your own lightsaber, honing your Force abilities. Uh, I think that would be a really cool idea for a game. Maybe that's what the uh, Visceral Studio is doing with the game that they're making. I don't know. But, yeah. Anything else you guys would want to see out of Star Wars? Uh, Star Wars 1313 coming out. Yeah, that was unfortunate that that was canceled. Yeah, that to me, like, just even somebody start from scratch and make that game. That would be fantastic. Um, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Basically a game that was going to be made that would have followed, like, a bounty hunter in the seedy underworld of, like, Coruscant. Uh, and, like, it would have just been, like, a gritty, like, uh, third-person shooter bounty hunter Star Wars game. Which would have been pretty cool. That would have been neat. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's, that's about it. it. Well, I think that's as much Star Wars as Leo can take, so I guess we'll stop here for today. I'm out of beer. I need to go back to the fridge. And uh, so with that, that's it for this week. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow <laughs> us on Twitter for podcast updates. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play now and leave us a five-star review if you like what you heard. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Always.